Yeah, a very good morning to you. It is Thursday, the 7th of December, 2023. I'm Richie Allen. Good morning. Guten Morgen. It's the papers. As usual, I'm going to have a glance at the front pages of the UK daily newspapers and then at some of the stories inside. It is 6.56am as I record this, just to let you know. Let's look at the front pages then. Dominated today by a couple of things. The resignation of an immigration minister by the name of Robert Jenrick and Boris Johnson's testimony to the COVID inquiry yesterday. He returns today to give more testimony. Financial Times, front page. Sunak's drive to unite Tories behind Rwanda bill implodes as Jenrick quits. We will come back to that. Robert Jenrick wrote a letter of resignation to Rishi Sunak, his boss, allegedly, to say that the, the, the new Rwanda policy, which was negotiated by James Cleverly in Kigali, doesn't go far enough. We'll tell you why in a few minutes. That's the Financial Times. The iPaper, Jenrick quits as Sunak takes on Tory right over migration. The Guardian, Tories in turmoil as Immigration Minister quits over Rwanda bill. There's also a photograph on the front page of The Guardian of former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Deluded is the caption uh, next to the photograph. Deluded Johnson condemned as he denies major Covid mistakes. The Guardian, The Daily Telegraph, photographed. Photographed on there is uh, Suella Braverman, the former Home Secretary. And again, it's about the resignation of Robert Jenrick. Headline, Immigration Minister quits as PM warned of electoral oblivion. Right, OK. Also on the front page of the Telegraph, Badenoch or Badenoch, Badenoch warns of epidemic of gay pupils told they are trans. We'll definitely come back to that. Front page of the Times, photograph of Boris Johnson photographed while giving testimony to the COVID inquiry with a um, looks looking pretty tired and resigned. He's got his head in his hand. Rwanda bill is doomed, says Jenrick, as he quits. Johnson, sorry for utter disaster of COVID. That's the Times. With the Daily Mail, photographed as Jennifer Lopez. Yes, she's photographed on there. But the headline is, will the Tories ever give up fighting each other and start fighting Labour? And of course, again, it's about the resignation of Jenrick. The Daily Express, Jenrick quits in, re- in revolt over PM's Rwanda deal. Sorry for your loss is the headline on the front page of the Metro. It has the exact same photograph of Boris Johnson, head in hands, looking harried and resigned. As Sorry for your loss, Johnson at COVID inquiry. That's the Metro. Okie doke, the Daily Mirror, the dead can't hear your apologies, is the headline. Johnson in the dark fury as bungling XPM says sorry to COVID victims, families for their pain. COVID victims. Ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous, this notion that you could be victim to a virus and that somebody else could be to blame for it, you know? Yeah. Daily Star has a photograph of Johnson which has been mocked up to make it look like he's Pinocchio with his nose extending about four feet away from his face. 
Uh, Pinocchio on the stand is the headline. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. That's the Daily Star. And the sun goes with Queen of Mean dates Queen's ex. Anne Robinson, best known, I suppose, for for the Weakest Link television programme, is allegedly dating Tom Parker Bowles. Is that his name? No, Andrew Parker Bowles, that's right. Uh, Andrew Parker Bowles, the ex of Camilla. Uh, Tom Parker, Parker Bowles is the kid, is their son, isn't that right? He, he does a lot around cookery these days. You'll often see him on the BBC MasterChef programmes. So those are the front pages then. What's going on inside the papers? Well, we'll come back to Jenrick in a minute. The Daily Mail has a story inside today. Christmas supplies in the UK are threatened as the vital Panama Canal shipping route suffers its worst drought ever. The Panama Canal shipping route suffers its worst drought ever. What's going on? Christmas supplies could be delayed. Fear, fear, panic, panic, alarm, alarm. The Panama Canal shipping route um, is in the midst of a drought. Huge container ships attempting to cross the channel, which is one of the world's most important trade routes, are experiencing delays of up to four weeks as water levels continue to fall. A naturally occurring El Nino climate pattern associated with warmer than usual water in the central and eastern tropical Pacific Ocean is contributing to Panama's drought. The congestion in the canal which connects the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans could have a wider impact across the global supply chain as experts warn even Christmas could be affected in the UK. And wait for it, panic, 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 fear, fear, fear. The mail says there could be a rise in the cost of food and energy prices because grains and fuels are among the major supplies transported through the canal. Before the vital shipping route experienced delays, some 38 ships passed through each day. 38 a day. But with limited water to maintain the freshwater lock system, only 24 ships are going through each day since November 7th. This will plummet to 18 a day from February because of the huge drought. So it's interesting. So the mail says, look, it's a naturally occurring thing, right? But the climate bullshitters have been quick to jump all over it. Uh, You know, and say that, you, you know, the climate... And climate change is going to lead to disrupted supply chains in the future. And it's going to have to impact on what we eat and what we wear and the amount of energy we consume. That's right. The climate evangelicals are jumping all over it, even though it's a naturally occurring thing. So yes, get your Christmas shopping in early, is the warning in the Daily Mail. Now the Telegraph, this is on the front page of the Telegraph and it's interesting. An epidemic of gay children are being told they are trans, warns Kemi Badenoch. Okay. It's in, Britain is in the grip of an epidemic of young gay children being told, you're trans. Now, she's the Equalities Minister. She's made this claim, warning MPs of a, quote, new form of conversion therapy under which children are being put on a medical pathway to sterilisation. Now, Badenoch suggested the government's long-promised ban on conversion therapy would not just cover people who try to turn gay children straight, but also those who attempt to turn gay children to transgender. She told the Commons, yesterday, no child is born in the wrong body. She went on to lambast the NHS for using terms such as chest feeders instead of breastfeeding and 
you know, dropping terms like women. She said new guidance for schools would bar primary school pupils from changing their gender identity without medical advice first. Badenoch said the new rules would ensure that parents have a right to be consulted and were no longer treated as the enemy. She confirmed the regulations would state that girls should not be forced to play physical sports with trans children who were born male. She went on to have a good old kick at Stonewall to the charity, which has been accused of driving much of this trans rights agenda. She told MPs the organisation, quote, does not decide the law in this country. As the Telegraph goes on to say, the article does, in her most outspoken comments yet on the issue, she said, we are seeing, I would say, almost an epidemic of young gay children being told that they are trans and being put on a medical pathway for irreversible decisions and then regretting what they have done. I'm making sure that young people do not find themselves sterilised because they are exploited by people who do not understand what these issues are. Very interesting this. This long-awaited government guidance for schools on how to deal with the issue when a child says, I was born in the wrong body, I don't believe I am male, I am female. Very interesting. And it's come up regularly on the Richie Allen Show, the idea that young men who might be coming to terms with the fact that they are gay, which even in this incredibly tolerant world, and thankfully it is and it should be, of course, it's none of our business, the sexuality of others. And when young boys or young girls, you know, realising they are gay, when they say, look, I happen to be gay, they should be given all the support they need and left alone, ultimately, you know, not judged or any of that else. shite. But we left all that behind 30, 40 years ago. So, um, yeah, the, the, the concern is that boys going through, going through the realisation that they're a bit different, that they that they are attracted to members of the same sex. And what's happening now is charities like Stonewall are giving them an out because it's difficult. It must be difficult to realise you're different. And charities like Stonewall and others are saying, well, maybe, maybe in fact you're actually a, a female trapped in a male body, which explains why you are attracted to men. It's dangerous bullshit, isn't it? You know, we've had gay and lesbian men and women since Moses was in short trousers. Perfectly natural. Let's uh, leave that one. The Guardian, carbon pricing would raise trillions needed to tackle climate crisis, says the International Monetary Fund. Yeah, we've talked about this quite a lot. Diverting the trillions of dollars uh, by which the world subsidises fossil fuel production each year and putting an implicit price on carbon emissions would generate the vast amounts of cash needed to tackle the climate crisis, according to the head of the IMF speaking at COP28 taking place in Dubai. Governments have been put off explicitly pricing carbon by the potential unpopularity of new carbon taxes which have become favourite targets of anti-climate politicians and parties around the world from the US and Australia to Europe and the UK. This is in The Guardian. Now, economists have argued for decades that pricing carbon is the most effective way to lead a shift away from fossil fuels. Now, a former chief executive of the World Bank and a leading European commissioner, uh, this woman, Georgieva, who's been uh, quoted in The Guardian today, speaking at COP28, says that when you put a price on carbon, 
decarbonisation accelerates. The Europeans introduced the emission trading scheme in 2005 and they have been growing and yet emissions went down by 37%. You'd see the same thing in Canada with their carbon tax. And for some reason, I didn't note, I'm going to do it now because I'm a bit of an idiot, because I should give you the, 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 the whole story and nothing but the story. Um, give you this woman's name. Kristalina uh, Georgieva, she's the managing director of the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, that's the one. Kristalina Georgieva, right? She says carbon taxes and emissions trading can generate revenues for governments. She said when we talk about the need to support the transition to the green economy, where the money could come from, well, here is the source. Carbon taxes, carbon pricing. Pricing carbon was fair. The more companies or individuals contribute to the climate crisis, the more they should pay. The more companies or individuals contribute to the climate crisis, the more they should pay. This is tyranny. And it is coming now. And it is coming at the speed of light. And this is how they will change people's behaviours. They will impose taxation. So this is how they will change the way we eat. It will change what we wear. It will change where we go. They will price us out of it. That's the plan. And eventually to impose carbon taxes on the individual. We, that is you and me, will be given a carbon allowance. We will be given an allowance as to the amount of carbon that it is tolerable for us to create via our day-to-day -day activities. I know it sounds nuts, doesn't it? But it's coming. Carbon taxes, emissions trading, yes. Oh Jesus, yeah, that's in The Guardian, COP28. Let's look inside the Times. So the big story then today in all the papers. Robert Jenrick resigns saying Rishi Sunak's Rwanda bill is doomed, right? His warning is the former immigration minister that the plan for flights to take off by the spring will fail. The idea that asylum seekers will be, will be disincentivized to come to the UK because if they do, they'll be put on a plane and sent to Rwanda. The Supreme Court in this country said, no, you can't do that, it's illegal. So the British government, in the UK government, in an attempt to circumvent the Supreme Court ruling, well, they went to Rwanda in the week, uh, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, James Cleverley, the, the, the Home Secretary, he went to Rwanda and they've signed a new treaty with Rwanda, basically, right? Which is laughable, right? But Jenrick has resigned saying it doesn't go far enough, the policy. And uh, there are more right-wing MPs in government who are also pissed off about this, right? They, they are fed up saying that the, the, uh, the deal that is signed doesn't go far enough because it doesn't allow uh, the UK government disregard the entire Human Rights Act on asylum cases. And it doesn't go far enough to deal with the European Convention on Human Rights. So that's why he's resigned. He says uh, it's, it's not good enough. So Ella Braverman, I mentioned her earlier on, uh, going along with him and several right-wing Tory MPs fed up saying that the, the, the new treaty doesn't include powers to dismiss challenges against it under the European Convention on Human Rights. So basically they've said it's weak and that the European Convention on Human Rights can basically... Um, can, 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 can be used to uh, to strike it down effectively. Yes, I got there in the end, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. So that's Robert Jenrick and that one is in all the papers and it's getting a 
lots of broadcast coverage in the UK media this morning as well. Jenrick resigns, the Rwanda bill is doomed, it doesn't go far enough, it doesn't do enough to prevent the European courts um, from striking it down. Yes, okay. The Telegraph, listen to this. Inside the Telegraph, one in four who had Pfizer COVID jabs experienced unintended immune response. This makes me laugh. It doesn't make me laugh. But um, why did I say it makes me laugh? You'll, You'll understand in a moment. More than a quarter of people injected with mRNA COVID jabs suffered an unintended immune response created by a glitch in the way the vaccine was read by the body, according to a study by Cambridge scientists. Now they said, wait for it, no adverse effects were created by the error, according to the data, right? But such vaccines are not perfect and sometimes lead to nonsense proteins being made instead of the desired COVID spike, which mimics infection and leads to antibody production. Right, so what does it mean? Well, mRNA jabs, like Pfizer and Moderna, they use a string of genetic material to tell the body to create a specific protein which is supposed to safely imitate an infection, right? And the guys who developed mRNA technology have been given a Nobel Prize for medicine. Okay, so they, so, so the article in the Telegraph is saying this, that it was thought, right, um, let me go back and read, I'm going to read this in full even though it's a bit, even though it's a bit um, science heavy this, right? So they say the genetic material is created, uh, which then leads to the creation of a specific protein to safely imitate an infection. And it says back in 2023, bought in 2023, the Nobel Prize for Medicine went to the pair of scientists who had spent years working to fix the problem. Um, I'm just going to leave that. I'm not not even going to talk about this story because it's complicated. Anyway, what they're saying ultimately is is that in one in four people, um, there is an unintended immune response created by a glitch in the way the vaccine was read by the body. Um, You should read this in the Telegraph. You might understand it better than I do. But they're saying that this is no big deal. But I would argue, how did they know it's no big deal? And how did they know that the nonsense proteins created instead of the intended spike protein, how did they know that those nonsense proteins are not going to be problematic in, say, two years' time or five years' time or ten years' time? And this is why, traditionally, vaccines are developed over a ten-year period so that you can see the long-term effects of the vaccine in the body. Okay, I got there in the end as well, didn't I? (laughs) Jesus. But it's a very interesting one. So they're accepting it, right? That this is a problem in some people, in one in one in four people, but they're saying, don't worry about it. That the nonsense proteins are no big deal. They've uh, likened this to when a when, when you're cycling a bike and the bike slips the gear. Okay? The the a letter in the code can be skipped and it leads to the creation of nonsense proteins. But don't worry about it, they're saying, to one in four people. I would worry about it. What about you? Um, dear listeners this morning. Okay, that's very interesting. One in four who had Pfizer COVID jabs experienced unintended immune response. In the Telegraph today, The Sun, exclusively. The Sun says we have an exclusive. A BBC licence fee will go up by over £10 next year as half a million Brits stop paying. The TV licence will rise by just over a tenner. In a blow to the BBC, says The Sun, bosses hope to hike the levy, which is £159 per household um, a year. Uh, bosses hope to, to 
increase that by fifteen pounds. My mathematics isn't great, but that would be one hundred and seventy-four pounds, wouldn't it? But ministers have pressed the BBC to settle in line with September's six point seven percent inflation rate. So you're going to get a short increase in the fee. The BBC has been told, but only in line with inflation. The Prime Minister Rishi Sunak told MPs the BBC's must BBC must be realistic to help hard up households. Uh, the BBC's funding dropped from £3.8 billion to £3.74 billion in the last 12 months, with the number of viewers paying for the licence fee plummeting by a half a million to £24.3 million. This is being blamed on competition from streaming giants like Netflix and others, Amazon Prime etc. The BBC are saying we know many households are hard pressed and that's why the licence fee was frozen for a couple of years but we argue we give great value for money with shows and content loved by millions. Yeah, not by me though. Fantastic. Right, that's the Sun. Uh, The Times, a nation of snackers is the headline. Britons no longer eat three meals a day. So this is the latest I suppose, in a series of interesting stories about how the habits of people have been changed, particularly in the last three years. As the Times, the article says, for centuries it has been drilled into Britons to sit down to three square meals a day, to your breakfast, to your lunch and your dinner. But hybrid working patterns and the strains of modern life mean that households are ditching tradition in favour of regular snacking. Almost a third of the nation sits down for two meals a day and replaces the third meal with snacks. And this was a survey done for the Waitrose Food and Drink Report. Uh, For others, days are blurring into one long meal. 10% said they ate only one meal a day and grazed for the rest of the time. Grazed. 1% grazed all day. Uh, Splitting work between home and the office was partly responsible, according to the report. Some 43% of those who worked from home admitted nipping into the kitchen and helping themselves to snacks throughout the day. 2,000 adults of all ages were questioned. 9% said they ate while walking or while commuting. The most popular time to snack was after 3pm, followed by the noon to 3pm slot, suggesting that people were in fact skipping lunch. And then... They said the most popular snacks were crisps, eaten by 29%, cakes and biscuits by 22%, chocolate by 19%, and nuts or fruit less than 17%. Yes, lots of things have changed in terms of the way we we function uh, as a result of the scamdemic and the lockdowns in the last um, three years. Shepherd's pie, macaroni and cheese, heavily processed meals. Um, the consumption of heavily processed meals has increased significantly significantly according to this uh, study by Waitrose Food and Drink. Heavily processed meals, which are carcinogenic, aren't they? Many of them. Yeah, let's have a quick look at the BBC News website before we uh, wrap up the papers for this day, Thursday, the 7th of December 2023. Not much else going on, really. Not much else going on, really. Blood test shows if organs are ageing fast 
or if they're aging slowly, that's the BBC, a new blood test um, will be will lead to us kind of having an MOT. It'll be like an MOT. They'll be able to take blood from you. This is according to Stanford University. And the test will enable them to determine just how quickly our internal organs are aging and even predict which organs might soon fail. This has been tried, this new blood test, on thousands of adults, mostly middle-aged or older, and apparently it's very successful in having a look at the ageing of our organs inside the body. Michelle Roberts writing for the BBC uh, today. And that's kind of it, really. I've got a very interesting radio show for you later on. Oh, no, there's another one in the BBC. Shopping with cash rises for the first time in a decade. Kevin Peachy, who is a cost-of-living correspondent for the BBC, says cash use has grown for the first time in 10 years as shoppers keep a close eye on their budgets while prices rise. That's funny, that. Because I popped around to my local 7-Eleven. We don't call them 7-Elevens. We call them corner shops here in Blighty. Popped around last night to get a couple of beers. So I did for the Manchester United game because I didn't attend. I gave my ticket away yesterday because I was very tired yesterday. In fact, I like yourself, I, I imagine, looking forward to the Christmas break. But anyway, yeah, popped around, had a beer, and I was joking with a young man who was paying by phone. Telling him, you know, be careful with that, you know, paying by phone. What do you know about it? I know the young man, he lives around the corner. Anyway, we got talking. And the shopkeeper said to me, funnily enough, that more people are paying with cash now. Watching what they have. Keeping an eye on their funds. Because things are becoming so expensive. So the British Retail Consortium has told the BBC that 19% of purchases were made with notes and coins last year. Which is up on the previous year. Interestingly enough, the financial regulator in this country is looking at ways to help people access cash because ATM machines are on the wane. They are being taken out, aren't they? It's more difficult these days to find an ATM machine. And many businesses in town centres are telling people, are telling patrons they can shop, that they, their, their business is welcome, but card only. A lot of businesses in Manchester, particularly um, market street businesses are saying, you know, it's uh, it's um, card only here, cash isn't welcome. Anyway, those were the papers today. And I'm looking forward to your company this afternoon at four o'clock, so do join me. Please download the Richie Allen Show app. You'll find it on Google Play and you'll find it on Apple's App Store. Just look for Richie Allen or Richie Allen Show. Download it and please do consider leaving a review for it. Until four then, it's bye for me. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. Bye.